Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Haley Barton, and this season, I'm just so pleased to be able to share with you my new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, From Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again, and I'm including many guests whose voices are included in the book and beyond the book, and we're just having a great time celebrating its release. Before I introduce you to today's guest, our podcast producer, Colleen Powell, is going to mention a wonderful offer that she has for all of you. Hey, Ruth. I am so excited for this book to come out into the world. It's just fantastic, and I know that our listeners are going to love it. Speaking of, we want to encourage you all to pre-order Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. You can pre-order it right now wherever you buy books. And if you pre-order the book, you are automatically invited to attend a live virtual celebration that we are having for this book on October 11th. When you pre-order the book, you can go to the link in the show notes or you can find it on our Transforming Center website. But there will be a form for you to fill out where you can show proof of purchase and you will receive information as well as a Zoom link to that event. So we're super excited to celebrate with you all and anybody who pre-orders this book will be welcome to join. The other thing I want to tell you about is a giveaway opportunity that we are hosting this week. Throughout the course of the season, we will be offering a couple of different opportunities to win a copy of Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, and this is our very first chance this week. Starting today, September 20th, through next Tuesday, September 27th, if you leave a positive review of the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, you can win a copy of the book. In order to be eligible, you just need to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and take a screenshot of the review and email it to podcast at transformingcenter.org with the subject line review giveaway entry and you will be eligible. If you have left a review in the past, we are so grateful and you can take a screenshot of that older review and send it in as well in order to be eligible. We'll select one winner at random and send you a copy of the book, which may even get there before its official release day. We are super thankful for positive podcast reviews. And in order to show our appreciation, we wanted to thank people with an opportunity to win a copy of the book. So that's all I have for today. All of those details are in the show notes. And Ruth, I'm really excited to hear about our guest for the week. Thanks, Colleen. Those are such wonderful opportunities. And yes, in this episode, I'm very excited to be welcoming Rabbi Evan Moffick. And he is a rabbi who shares Jewish wisdom and stories and inspiration with people of all faiths. And that's what I love about Rabbi Moffick is that not only does he lead a congregation in the Chicago suburbs and he teaches a lot around the world, but he has a very special calling to communicating about the Jewish faith to Protestant Christians. In fact, he wrote a book that I really enjoyed called What Every Christian Should Know About the Jewishness of Jesus. And so that made me really want to have him on this season of the podcast to talk about the practice of Sabbath within the Jewish tradition, to talk about Jesus and Jesus practice of the Sabbath, and also to talk about the experience of Sabbath in community, which is, of course, how the Sabbath was originally given. It was given to the Jewish people to practice together in community, and I wanted to talk with a Jewish rabbi about 
uh, how that works itself out within the Jewish community that he's a part of. So I'm thrilled to have him with us today, and I think you're going to really be fascinated by the things that he has to share today. Well, I'm so pleased to be on today with Rabbi Evan Moffick, who is a rabbi leading a congregation here in the Chicago suburbs. He also teaches around the world and has published books, especially on Jesus and the Jewishness of Jesus. That's my favorite, and I really enjoyed what I learned there, and I'm hoping even some of that might come out today in our conversation. But obviously, the practice of Sabbath-keeping emerges from God first. Uh, God was the one who practiced Sabbath first in God's work of creation. And then when God called forth a people for himself, the Jewish people, God bestowed on them the gift of the Sabbath. And it was a gift and then it was a commandment. And so hopefully we're going to talk about all of that and the history of Sabbath keeping as it emerges from our Judeo-Christian heritage. So welcome, Rabbi Evan. So grateful to be in conversation with you today and just looking forward to the insight that you're going to share with us. Thank you. I am such, I'm so honored to be here. I thought we might start by just letting you talk for a little bit about the Sabbath from your perspective as a Jewish rabbi, and particularly from, you know, the history in, in your tradition around the practice of Sabbath keeping, how you are experiencing it today, and also maybe even how you think about contemporary Christians trying to find a way to incorporate this practice into contemporary life in our culture. Yeah. Well, I think the Sabbath is, is everything. It's so central to uh, the Jewish way of life. I mean, oftentimes people say, what's the most important Jewish holiday? And on one level, one could say it's, it's Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement, the day of fasting. But I often tell people it's really uh, the Sabbath, Shabbat. Now, why is that? Because it happens every week, regularly. We know psychologically that regular practices are what really ground us you know things we do once a year they're great they're important but it's truly the every day or every week practices that really shape our lives you know the little things we do every day the the things we do every week things we do every month that that grounds us and that's what sabbath does it grounds us uh and it and it becomes it essentially you start and you think abraham joshua heschel talked about this you start living life towards the sabbath it's it's almost like the sabbath is what is is truly the greatest part of life the other part is important of course you know you got to work you got to you got to be in the world but sabbath is is kind of the the center point and so it really reshapes how how we look at life and in terms of christians uh, observing it i think it's absolutely wonderful and important and it could be observed in different ways but the idea is that we need we're not human beings are not meant to be working all the time we're not meant to constantly being in frenetic states of activity we need rest to ground us it makes life so much more meaningful and that's god's gift to everybody not just one people or one religion Oh, I love hearing you say that because one of the chapters, I think it's the second chapter in my book is on Sabbath begins with God or beginning with God. Is that the way that you experience it too in your own Jewish practice is that it, it began with God and God's way of choosing to do, to, to exist as God involved this rhythm, this pattern? 100%. I mean, that's, you know, there is a, there is a strand of, of rabbinic tradition 
that says the entire purpose of the creation story is to establish the Sabbath, to show that God rested on the Sabbath. You know, this is, you know, the, the, the idea and, and, you know, I don't know what, what kind of, you know, your general audience, I, I imagine it's a mix of different types of Christians, different denominations, but there are many rabbis who don't believe in a strict creationist view of the universe but that say the creation story is there symbolically to establish the sabbath to say god built the sabbath into the order of creation it's that important uh, that god rested yes and in in some ways when we participate when we practice sabbath we are participating in god's very nature i think that's one of the things that's so stirring to me is that by doing this, by practicing the Sabbath, we are actually participating in God's very nature. Yes. Yes. A conscious rest. Conscious. Yes. That, that is, yes, we are, we are, yeah, we're modeling ourselves on God and becoming, you know, yeah, God's nature. That's beautiful. Well, I'm glad that you brought up Rabbi uh, Abraham Heschel right away because he says in, in his book, The Sabbath, which is, of course, the seminal work on Sabbath, after the six days of creation, what did the universe still lack? Um, and that it lacked rest and that God actually created rest on the Sabbath. Is that your understanding? Can you interact with me about that? Because I, when I was reading his work for this work, that was a new thought to me that, that actually God did create something on the seventh day, which was he created rest and tranquility. Absolutely. Yes, I can't remember if it was Heschel or another author I was reading was talking about how in, in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, they, they wanted to say God created the world in six days, not seven, because God rested on the seventh day. How can that be an act of creation if God's resting? But say, no, it actually is seven days because that seventh day God created rest. And that was an essential part of creation, that it is... It's in, inseparable from from human nature, from the world. It's it's not as if rest is some or the Sabbath is some separate sphere of life. It is an integral part of this sphere. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how I understand it. Yeah. So one of the things that's been really enlivening for me in thinking about it in that way is that rest. If rest has already been created, that means I don't have to create it. I just have to find ways to enter into what already has been created, which for me is very enlivening because sometimes, you know, in, in our culture today, it's actually hard to find rest, you know. Um, but that way of looking at the seven days indicates to me that rest already exists. The rest of God already exists. And I need to find ways through my own spiritual practice to enter in and to participate in something that already exists in God. And I don't know, for some reason, to me, that's a, a very, very helpful nuance. Yes, I like that, too. I like that framing that we're not we're not inventing something new. We're entering into something that's already been established. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I like uh, the fact that you drew attention to Heschel's idea of living all of life towards the Sabbath. That corresponds to something that I've come to understand and believe in my own life, and that is that Sabbath is not just about one day. It's about a way of life and that all the rest of the days have to be lived in planning and in preparation for the for the Sabbath. You can't just 
you know, have the seventh day be the Sabbath if you haven't prepared for it all week. Um, and so one of the things I talk about a lot is the sixth day, how important the sixth day is that you work the five days for your paying or your vocation job. But then the sixth day has to be set apart for the work of being human. Um, is that is, is that a part of how you experience that in the Jewish culture, that that there's a day of preparation or some way of ordering your life so that you actually can enter into the seventh day as it was intended? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, um, and, and sometimes I'm not as good at this as I, I wish I was, but I remember when I was living in Israel, uh, you know, for my first year of rabbinical school, and Friday morning, you know, because the Sabbath would start Friday night, Friday morning was a lot of preparation. People would be cooking, and they'd be doing laundry, and almost like you know, actually getting important things done. You know how, you know how, like, uh, if you're going to go on vacation, you actually get a whole bunch of work done right before you go on vacation. You know, well, it was almost like you're doing that every week because you know you're not going to be working for, you know, 24 hours. And so, yeah, you know, oh, you know, you don't want to leave that person waiting for an email. Oh, I'll get that done. Oh, I have had to do laundry for a couple of days. I know I'm not going to do it the next. So you, it actually kind of makes you more productive. I remember one time talking to a, very successful guy, a, a big tech entrepreneur. And he was telling me, he's a, he observes Sabbath, and he was saying that um, he gets more, I love the way he put it, he said, he, I can get more work done in six days than I can in seven days. Yes, I agree. And I thought that was such a yes. good way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what does Sabbath look like for you? And, you know, you have a family, you have young children, you're, you know, a busy clergy person. Tell me what Sabbath, how are you experiencing Sabbath in your life right now as a Jewish well, rabbi? It's kind of an ironic thing in that, you know, for a clergy member, a rabbi, the, the Sabbath is actually, you know, kind of work, uh, unfortunately. Um, although it's work I love, so it's, it's a little bit different. But um, my, I am always trying to create space for people to experience Sabbath. So I want... When, when, when we, you know, our main service, our main worship service is Friday night. So, and then we have a Bible study Saturday morning, but uh, Friday night, I try to create a, an environment of comfort, of sacredness, of quiet. I mean, there's exciting. We have programs, we have dinners, but I want it to be a place where people feel good that it's somewhere they're coming at the end of the week. And, and in fact, I want it to be somewhat predictable. I don't like to do too much innovation. Innovation is great. It's good to try new things, but I also want people to just feel comfortable. Kind of like what you said earlier, like it's already there. So people know that when they come to this service, they're going to be comforted. They're going to be in a reflective mode. They're going to feel embraced. Um, so that's a big part of it. And community, feeling a sense of community and belonging. I mean, that's a big part of, of Sabbath. You know, if I if I wasn't leading a synagogue, I would probably be having people over for dinner to my house, you know, and, 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 and creating that sort of sense of community. And that's people that I, you know, looked up to when I was in college, you know, would have me to their homes. And, and, you know, it was a great way of just creating a sense of friendship and community. So, you know, if people, I, I love when people come to a worship service, but they say, hey, Rabbi, we're having a Shabbat dinner at our house. We're going to somewhere for Shabbat dinner. I say, okay, good, do that. You know, so, you know, it, it, it it, it, that's a little bit of a different nuance uh, from Christianity. In Christianity, sort of the worship attendance is kind of central. In Judaism, it's more about the community and, and the, the observing the day and however you want to observe it. So for me right now, it's really about leading worship and creating that reflective mode. 
but I try to try to encourage people to have some sort of Sabbath practice. And once you've carried out your duties as a rabbi, do you and your family have a way of entering in together? Yeah, we usually, you know, I'll come home and we'll all kind of, you know, just sort of relax and talk and, you know, people aren't feeling as rushed. Um, you know, usually, you know, the kids are generally home and you know, we try to try to make it a little bit different than the other nights of the week where everyone's kind of rushing around, got to drive someone to this activity or that activity. It's a little more reflective. Um, and then Saturdays, you know, the, the, so the Sabbath runs from Friday night to, to Saturday night. Uh, Saturdays are also just generally tend to get busy because, you know, I have a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah and my wife's a rabbi also, so she does too. But, you know, we try to do something with the kids, try to have some sort of um, engagement. Mm-hmm. So you've mentioned, you know, the, the word community, and I wanted to talk to you about that because in, I think in the Christian experience of Sabbath, something that we're aware of, or I'm definitely aware of it, and some of the people that are close to me, and that is that it is really hard to practice Sabbath when you don't have the support of your community. And of course, for the Jewish com- community, that is something that, at least historically, one can look at scripture and see that because in the Jewish culture, everyone entered in and practiced together, there was some communal support for the practice. And that that was one of the reasons why it was even possible was because the whole community was doing it together. And I would imagine that now it's not quite the same as when, you know, everyone was living together in the same geographic location, all the stores were closed and whatever. Um, But one of the things that I've been aware of within a Christian practice of Sabbath is that many times a lot of the church's activities are dumped into our Sabbath would be Sunday are dumped into that one day. And so the church itself is actually working against any sort of Sabbath practice. (laughs) So I, you know, I've longed at times, you know, for a community like what the Jewish community is where everyone does it together and every, all the choices that are made within the culture are meant and made to support that practice. And we just don't have that within the Christian tradition. And so people who are trying to bring Sabbath keeping into their lives are finding that it's hard, not because of secular culture, but more because of the church culture, you know, that oh, puts that's such a good, yeah, point. that puts everything in to the day that could be the day of rest. If we would let it be, I was wondering if we could talk about the communal nature of Sabbath keeping, because one of the places of confusion that I've noticed in uh, people that are close to me is that sometimes we think of Sabbath as being the same thing as solitude and silence, but it's really not. It's not that at all. Sabbath is something to be practiced within your community with those that you're closest to. So I would love to have you talk a little bit about the your experience of it being a communal practice and how that helps. Yeah, uh- Honestly, I wish it were more so where, you know, it is, that is one advantage of the Orthodox Jewish community, you know, so I'm a reform rabbi. And so, um, you know, reform Jews and and conservative Jews also, generally non-Orthodox Jews tend to be more integrated into the larger culture. So our kids will go to public school and, and be, and, and whereas in the Orthodox community, it is a very insulated community where they generally go to the same Jewish day schools. They generally live in the same geographic area where you could walk to synagogue. And so that community is able to observe Sabbath much more communally 
because they're living close together, everyone shares a commitment to that practice. If you want to have a communal Sabbath and you're not strictly Orthodox, in a sense, you have to be countercultural. I mean, I'm not so strict with my kids. My kids may have if things, you know, that they need to do on a Friday night. Like if they're, you know, if they're, um, you know, doing theater and one of my kids does theater and they have a performance on, on Friday night. I, I, I'm, I'm not in a position, well, I mean, I could, I guess, but my, my general inclination is to not forbid them from doing that because we live in this larger culture and we've chosen to live in that larger culture. So we have to kind of accept some of it. Now we can have our own practices and so forth, but it is very hard to observe the Sabbath. I think this is a, a, a larger point kind of that we're, we're getting at to observe the Sabbath is countercultural today, whereas it really shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because it's our nature, as we were talking about earlier. We need this. Now, I think I, you know, maybe in the early days of America and, and other Western countries, when we were more influenced, when we were sort a friend of mine, you know, says when we were kind of part of Christendom, you know, where, where Christianity was kind of the larger public culture, you could do certain things. You know, places were closed on Sunday. No, that's not really true anymore. So in a sense, maybe we're fighting church culture, as you noted. But we're also, I think, fighting the wider culture because there's this pressure to always be, at least when you have kids, always be having activities, always be doing things. And that makes it hard. Yeah. So how did you get interested in the Sabbath? You know, obviously, I know you coach leaders and you really help church leaders. I, I know in particular, just just reading about what you do. What How, how did Sabbath enter into that uh, quest? Mm-hmm. Well, I practiced Sabbath. I'm a pastor's kid, and so my, my family practiced Sabbath, but in a rather legalistic way as I was growing up. And so, you know, what that meant was that we were in church in the mornings and in the evenings on Sundays, which would be our Sabbath. And then, you know, it was very legalistic in that we weren't allowed to ride bikes or go swimming. We had to stay in our Sunday clothes. Uh, we often had company. And so we, you know, my experience being a young woman was that the women did a lot of the cooking and the preparing and the serving and the cleaning up. So I did not particularly experience Sabbath to be delightful in my growing up mm-hmm. years. So I was kind of happy to kick it to the curb when I grew up to leave that, that behind. But then I'm sort of an, an overachieving sort of personality type. And so by the time I was in my early forties, I was starting to be interested again. And I started to read the beautiful works on Sabbath, like Heschel's book and Wayne Mueller's book, and even Walter Brueggemann. I don't know if you've heard of him. He wrote about Sabbath as resistance. And they stirred me deeply because I was starting to feel tired. I was starting to be feel very tired in my service to God because <laughs> I was a very faithful little soldier and servant. And then I had, you know, a biking accident, which I sort of like, to me, I experienced it a lot like Paul getting knocked off his horse on the Damascus Road <laughs> and then, you know, began to realize that I really did long for a way of life that had a specific resting rhythm in it, that I was uh, tired from just being on and achieving and performing all day, every day, 24-7. And so that was when I began to really open up to the fact that maybe Sabbath was possible for me. And I had put it in the in the too hard file for so long that it was hard for me to pull it out and say, maybe this is something I could have. I certainly know I need it. I certainly know I'm longing for it. And then, you know, the more I entered into the biblical readings and some of the other resources, I realized that this wasn't just a lifestyle suggestion, that Sabbath keeping was a gift of God from God's self to us as his children, 
but also that it is the fourth commandment. I mean, it's not a lifestyle suggestion. It is, it is the fourth commandment as well. A very, very important part of uh, the liberation of the Jews. It was sign, symbol, and reality of their own liberation from oppression. I and mean, I feel like we are oppressed in some ways in our culture right now. You know, we are oppressed. We're in bondage to our work. We're in bondage to the pace that we keep. We're in bondage to social media. And that the Sabbath actually even today offers liberation from being in bondage to all the forces around us. So it's very personal for me because it saved my life. I think the practice of Sabbath keeping, and I'm, I am pretty vigilant about it now because it, it has saved me and it continues to save me in terms of where my performance-oriented drivenness would take me if I didn't have the resting rhythm in my life as well. So uh, it's very, very personal to me uh, why it matters. How have you seen it? With leaders you've worked with, how have you seen it change their lives? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, first of all, and this is a long-term process. I mean, on the back cover of the new book, it talks about the fact that I'm, I'm offering hard-won wisdom from 20 years of practice. This is not, I'm not blowing smoke here. I have been working with this discipline for a long time. And what I see also in the lives of pastors is that, first of all, there's the part where I, a pastor or a leader has to own it for themselves and say, I need this for myself. And they have to work hard at, at discerning how they can bring it into their own life, whatever the naughty challenges are. So when I first started practicing, there were lots of challenges. I have three kids who are all athletes. Um, my husband was a banker and is a banker. And at that time, his bank was open on Sundays. And that was part of the newfangled everything was banks being opened on Sundays. Um, and I was on staff at a church. And so that was the busiest day in our church's life. And so I was on. And so it was like, it, it just felt so impossible. And so I had to continue to sort of whack away at it and, and try things and experiment and go back to my desire and then try something else. And for a while, it was only me in our family practicing, but I knew I needed it. I knew I wouldn't survive without it. And then eventually other members of my family joined in. So um, that's the process that I encourage with pastors is that they first have to figure it out for themselves and their own families. And then from there, um, hopefully they will, you know, see the value of Sabbath and also see it as God's gift and, and, and even God's command. And we'll see that as being central to how they order the lives of their congregations as well. And, and I will say, I mean, you know, this, the book is brand new right now and people are reading it for the first time. I think it's, it is the part of the message that's, uh, maybe we could say fresh or something where pastors are, who are reading it are really grappling with the fact that not only have they not figured Sabbath out for themselves, but they are also now trying to figure out how, what, what would we, what would we need to change in order to become a Sabbath community, which is a phrase that I've, I guess I've kind of coined it a little bit. Sabbath, um, I love that. Yeah. And, and a community that really does believe that this gift is from God and that um, it's a command and not a lifestyle suggestion. And then how do we as a community order our lives to support and guide and practice Sabbath together? And, and it's a very challenging challenge, if, you, if I can be redundant for a moment. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching now leaders move from grappling with their own personal practice and probably having having some of that in their lives now, whether it's taking Sabbath on the Monday after they've preached or preparing their message, but then taking Friday off and then, you know, whatever. But now they're wrestling with it at the communal level. And that's the new part. Like that's the frontier. That's the new frontier. I think that I'm seeing our leaders grapple with and want it. Like there's a stirring of longing and a, um, a, a deep kind of recognition that, oh yes, 
if this is such a great gift from God, if this is a part of who God is, if this was given to us as a commandment because God knew it would be good for us, then it's part of our leadership to lead this in our congregations. And and I take that straight from the character of Moses. And we, you and I could talk about Moses a little bit because what I saw in Moses' story is that God gave the instruction about Sabbath to Moses and it was Moses' job as the senior leader to lead the people in the practice of Sabbath. He didn't give it to an underling. He didn't, you know, delegate it to someone else. And in fact, the people were confused. They had a hard time trusting God that if they didn't go out on the seventh day that that God would provide for them, that what they gathered on the six days would be enough. They really struggled to understand this counterintuitive way of living. And Moses, as the senior leader, the anointed one, was the one who gave them their instructions and kept working with them on this practice. And so I'm calling to leaders for that in this book to say, this is a part of your leadership. This is a part of your spiritual leadership to help people today learn how to practice Sabbath and to order your congregation's life around it. So I don't know, you got me on the soapbox now. (laughs) No, I think it makes sense. You know, I I think, again, I'm thinking of that word countercultural. I mean, I know, I, I, I don't know churches all that well, but from what I understand, you know, a, a lot of successful churches have lots of programs, lots of things going on. And in this is some way saying, you know what, those are great, but also create a Sabbath, create a time where it's just not focused not on doing, but on being. And that's how I, that's how I think about it too. You know, I don't know what it's like in a Jewish congregation, but in those in the kinds of churches that you just mentioned, those that are very successful, big, lots of programs, there's another category of persons that I'm really concerned about, and that is the people who volunteer. So I don't know how reliant your congregation and community oh, yeah. is on volunteerism. Oh, yeah. But my question, too, is if people are working normal nine-to-five jobs and then they have a whole lot of other responsibilities relative to being a member of the church— how are we teaching them? How are we guiding them into this beauty that God wanted to give us? How are we helping them? I don't right. know. They're just volunteering nonstop. That's, it, it's not, they're not able to enjoy that's right. uh, or, or experience the sacred. Yeah. So I think that's going to be another challenge for leaders who want to lead a Sabbath community is how are we going to guide our high-level volunteers that we rely on for the work of the church? How are we going to lead them into Sabbath practice? They finish a big job that that they've worked Monday through Friday. And of course, now there's this boundaryless existence with technology where people are working more than nine to five now. And then they come to the weekend and we've got them doing a whole bunch of stuff at church. How are we guiding them into the Sabbath practice? It's a very hard question. You know, and it's, it's very, technology is, is a blessing and a curse, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to Sabbath. I mean, it's a blessing in that, we can get things done. We can set timer. I mean, you can you can kind of create the space to experience Sabbath. You know, you could have an auto responder. Mm-hmm. If you're used to, let's say you're an attorney, mm-hmm. you've got clients, you can have an auto responder that replies right away. Oh, it's Sabbath. I can't reply right away. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can kind. But on the other hand, you've got this temptation, and that you're, you know, to always be available, right. to always have devices, and that is in some ways this goes back to what you were saying earlier with. This is a commandment. Mm-hmm. In some ways, if you're going to embrace it, really take it seriously. Yes. It's not just a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It, there's lifestyle aspects of it. But if you're going to really do it, take the obligation really seriously. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Let's not just uh, mess around with it. Because in some ways, you almost diminish it by 
doing it on your own terms. You say, okay, that's a nice idea, but I'm going to do it on my own terms when I want to. I'm going to have a floating Sabbath. You know, um, if I feel like checking email, I will, you know, yeah, that's, that's making something as significant as a Sabbath, kind of like a parlor game versus the real substantive thing that it is. I, I really, really appreciate that, that language. Well, one of the contributions that you've made to my life anyway is your book on the Jewishness of Jesus. Can you give us the complete title again? Uh, it's called What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Jewishness of Jesus, uh, a new look at history's most mm-hmm. influential rabbi. Yes, I was ecstatic to hear about that book. I wish I'd read a long time ago because I think Christians in some ways like appropriate Jesus, like we just take Jesus on our own terms. <laughs> we just sort of filter out the Jewish stuff if it doesn't fit. And what you did in the book is just so brilliant and helpful for us as Christians. And I wondered if you could talk about the Jewishness of Jesus, specifically as it has to do with Sabbath, because one of the things that I hear Christians saying is, well, Jesus never taught on the Sabbath, so we don't need to do it. Like they they go to that place. And yet Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a practicing Jew, which meant that he practiced the Sabbath. And so I thought maybe having some of your comments about the Jewishness of Jesus as it has to do with Sabbath keeping would be really intriguing and instructive even. Thank you. Yeah, I I, I think that's a great point. And I I think, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book is, you know, I was speaking at different churches and, and, and people were asking me and you think if if part of the quest, the religious quest of a, of a Christian is to grow closer to Jesus, and to understand Jesus and, 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 and live as Jesus would have lived, you, Jesus observed the Sabbath. There's almost no, I mean, I, you know. There's no question about that. Right, yeah. right. If he was an observant Jew, he would have observed the Sabbath. That's like the, the, the basic part of Judaism. It's sort of like the, it, you know, in Judaism, there are 613 commandments, but there are hierarchies among the commandments you know so the sabbath is one of the central it's kind of like one of the the the, the, the core the anchor habits if you and so you would have observed the sabbath so if you want to live more like jesus you would observe the sabbath and, and so that is i think a, a a core part of it and and you don't have to the way we observe sabbath changes there there's no question i mean you know the original Sabbath, in in in, in uh, uh, if you look at the Book of Exodus, it's you know you can't light a fire. You know there's there's a man who lights a fire on the Sabbath and stone. You, you know we could easily observe the Sabbath. If all was was you don't you don't light a fire. We could easily you know if you don't have a fireplace at your house. You don't light the fireplace. You're you're good. But that's not really what it. What means. about the gas stove? Uh, Just ask. Exactly. <laughs> it's, well, you know that's the whole idea. Is 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 it's the conceptual parts of the Sabbath that we have to kind of keep in mind. And, and, and there's a sense of the spirit of the Sabbath. You know, there, there's the letter of the law. There's certain things you don't do, but there's also the spirit of the Sabbath. I once, there's a, there's an older rabbi. He's since passed away. His name was Gunther Plout. And he, and he uh, uh, wrote a great commentary on the Torah. He wrote a lot of books. He was a, a great scholar. He talked about how he used to play tennis on, on Sabbath. That was part of his Sabbath routine. Was he was a very busy rabbi, but on the Sabbath, he would play tennis with his friends. But then he realized that he was getting too competitive. He was a competitive guy, and he would like bring out some of his not-so-good qualities. So he said, I'm going to stop playing tennis on the Sabbath because it is not 
while I may technically be allowed to, and it may be something that's a good relaxing practice, it's not within the Sabbath character. And I don't want to be that kind of person on the Sabbath. So I think we kind of have to think through that. And, and, and that can be part of our religious quest to be more like Jesus, uh, if you're a Christian. And that can be looking at, you know, what kinds of things do you want to do on the Sabbath that bring out the best in your character? Yes. So, Rabbi Evan, I asked you this when we had our phone conversation, but I want to ask it to you on air here. And that is that in our current culture, there's been, even when I, you know, the publishing process for me includes readers reading the book and giving their input. And one of the pieces of input was that Sabbath smacks of privilege. And you and I talked about this. But of course, in Jewish history, we know that the Jews were not privileged. They were oppressed and that, you know, that the practice of Sabbath was actually a liberation. But but I would love to talk about in current culture, how do we offer Sabbath in a way that's that's much more about liberation than it is privilege? And do we have anything to say to people who are really struggling economically and maybe can't see their way to a practice like this? I see where that author is coming. I see where that critic is coming from. Sure. I mean, the idea, but that is assuming that is looking at the Sabbath as an escape. It's looking at it as a vacation from life. And I, I don't think that's ever what the Sabbath is meant to be. The Sabbath is meant to be something that um, connects us to our loved ones. You don't have to be rich or, or, or someone who has the leisure of a, of a nine to five job to observe the Sabbath. Anyone can observe the Sabbath, you know? So, um, but what I think the question that the reader was getting at, which is a, a very good point is our society is all about work, 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 work. And that is a, a, a difficult, that's why I think the Sabbath is sometimes countercultural, and that we are saying the whole point of life is not not to work. Uh, and make as much money as you can. That's all fine and good, nice, but that's not the point of life. The point of life is connection with others. So I think that is, I don't want to sound rude, but but to say the Sabbath is a sign of privilege is actually your being, your, you, that person is, is being privileged by saying that the Sabbath, uh, that, that certain people can't observe the Sabbath. Any, everyone can observe the Sabbath. And so uh, I, I would I would totally reject that idea but I would acknowledge that in our current culture, some people do have to work longer hours than others, and that does make the Sabbath more difficult. But that is a more imperative, I think, for great leaders to embrace the Sabbath, to encourage the Sabbath, to, uh, to, 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 to guide people in finding ways to observe it themselves. They don't have to do the whole thing. You know, I, I know I kind of, that kind of contradicts what I said earlier about, you know, we don't want to do it piecemeal. But on the other hand, like anything in life, you start small. You know, so I, I would say that that to to, to call it privileged uh, is to way oversimplify what the Sabbath can really be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, friends, we're coming to the end of this episode. It's been such a joy to be with you, Rabbi Evan. Thank you so much for being present in this conversation and. As we've been doing all the way along, we're going to ask each other one final question, and these questions will be recorded for our patrons. And so if you are interested in hearing the one final question from Rabbi Evan to me and from me to Rabbi Evan, then you'll want to go over to Patreon and sign up there so that you can hear the one final question.
We wanted to pause for a moment and express our gratitude to our sponsor. Um, the season of our podcast is sponsored by Good Kind. Good Kind is all about helping people cultivate the good kind of habits and holiday practices that allow them to engage with God and one another throughout the year. They have a great tool for Advent and also a Sabbath box to help you practice Sabbath with your family and so much more. So to learn more about them and the products that they make, you can find them at goodkind.shop. Well, we like to end each and every one of our episodes with what we're calling what your soul wants to say to God, because in the book, there's a section at the end of every chapter where we just create some space to pay attention to what God's saying to us at the soul level. And a lot of times what God's saying to us at a soul level is experienced as longing or desire, um, maybe even a little desperation sometimes. But I thought we would conclude by each one of us saying something about what our soul wants to say to God in response to this conversation. Is there anything that got stirred in the conversation um, anything that we want to stop and say to God before we get back into our lives. So um, not asking us to pray right now, but just is there anything that you feel stirring that might be something your soul is is wanting to say to God right now? Yeah, actually, what I think was sort of stirred in me was I kind of was asking myself, am I, am I giving my kids enough of the experience of the Sabbath? That, you know, my kids are at an age now where they're, you know, they're teenagers and their identity is forming. And I sometimes, you know, obviously they know we love, we love Sabbath and it's a part of our family, but they got so many other things going on. And am I, have I been too, I don't want to say indulgent, but almost um, not vigilant enough in guarding the Sabbath? And, and can I do a better job of that? So that's been stirring in me. I, I, I don't know what the answer is, I, 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 but, but at least asking myself the question again, that's stirring within me. That's beautiful. Well, for me, I really loved, and I haven't thought about this very often, but I loved the moment where we were talking about Jesus and that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you would be practicing the Sabbath. And even this invitation, um, you gave the, the example of the person who noticed that there, that even though tennis can be seen as a form of delight or relaxation or fun or whatever, he was wise enough and in touch enough to know that it was stirring up competitiveness, a characterological issue that he knew wasn't consistent with who Jesus is and his followership of Jesus. And so I found myself very stirred to think a little bit about character and what are the Sabbath activities that would actually foster the character, the very best of myself, the character of Jesus within me. And that was a new lens for me to look at and to, to look at Sabbath through is what are the, what are the things that I could engage in that would continue to bring out the best and continue to help me in my followership of Jesus. So that was beautiful. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What a great yeah. conversation. Yes. And so now for our listeners, we invite you not to just uh, rush on to the next thing, but take a moment right now, like Rabbi Evan and I did, to say, what is stirring in my soul? What does my soul want to say to God? And don't rush on to the next thing until you say it to God or write it down or journal about it for a bit. Uh, just capture what your soul wants to say to God in these moments. Amen. Amen. Amen.